0: Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Evan. I'm delighted that you're here. Shall we read some scripture together? That'd be a yes. Thank you. I, I noticed it was a lively room, and I imagine that if you speak up at home, I might be able to hear you even. It's so lively here. Let's turn to Genesis 25, if we could. and We'll read our scripture today, Genesis 25, 19 through 34. I want to go ahead and ask you to keep that open because we will look through a couple past parts of that uh, as we go along. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padon Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, Let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he is also called Edom. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now, this is a a good moment because I'm not going to decipher all the meanings of names. The footnotes at the bottom of probably most of your Bibles will help you out. You can look at that later to see what the meanings are. But let's begin here uh, with something that seems seemingly unrelated old camel knees. This is a title, whenever I've researched the book of James, I know I'm not preaching on James today, but whenever I've researched the book of James, all the old commentaries seem to go to that as the first thing they want to tell you about James, the brother of Jesus, that he was known as old camel knees. The uh, church historian Eusebius referred to James as being so in-depth in his prayer life that he wore out his knees, essentially, and they were calloused like those of camels because he was in prayer so much. What you have there is deep devotion to God that's visible. Isn't that remarkable? Deep devotion. And you'll hear about people who have actually, uh, because they go to their knees so often, uh, they have that visible mark of prayer on them. I, I actually think it would be remarkable if a lot of us walked around with ripped pants, right, because we had gone to the Lord so much in prayer. How much of a testimony would that be that we had gone to the Lord that much in that way? But what you see when it comes to devotion to God Uh, is evident, I think, in Isaac and Rebecca. That's why I bring that up, not because I wanted to talk about James this morning. But as we kind of compare and contrast at this point, we're moving, we've been talking about Abraham for a few weeks, who's pivotal to this whole story. God makes a a covenant with Abraham. It's going to be fulfilled through Isaac and beyond through that family line. But even just a simple comparison between these two, between father and son, reveals that Abraham had this remarkable, dynamic story, this transformative relationship with God, and the story is very compelling, and he makes a lot of mistakes along the way, but he's fundamentally different at the end of God walking with him and walking with God than he was at the beginning when God called him out of his land. Isaac seems very different. And the story is presented in a very different way of Isaac. He's really functionally a second-generation immigrant when you think about it. So you've got a dynamic story of of parents who had to come and navigate a new land. And here you have a guy who lived kind of in two worlds in a sense. But now uh, his story at this point, uh, it lacks a lot of detail compared to Abraham. And then compared to his kids, it'll lack a lot of detail. And frankly, it just comes across as far more boring than Abraham. Yet... I would suggest to you that there's a lot of faithfulness right there, packed with Isaac and Rebekah. And that's important for us to recognize. What we can see from Abraham, what we can see from Isaac, and what we will see with the kids, Esau and Jacob, we'll be talking about Jacob over the next couple weeks, is that, and this is the point we could just land on for a while, you can't always control your circumstances. But you can control Uh, you can choose faithfulness to God in all circumstances, right? You can't control what life is going to throw at you, but you can be faithful to God regardless of what life throws at you, regardless of those circumstances, and that's what's evidence. Abraham evidences it, sometimes imperfectly. Jacob will evidence that, and I think you see that in the very beginning of this story with both Isaac, excuse me, not Jacob, Isaac and Rebekah. And so let's look at Isaac, to begin with here, is is understanding Isaac means that we have to understand some of the covenant promise that God made. We saw some of that covenant last week, but if we flip back to Genesis 15 verses 4 and 5, you see where God kind of fills in an important detail after Abraham has taken matters into his own hands uh, to try and fulfill the covenant. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Abram, this man, he's talking about uh, Ishmael, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. That's the promise that Abraham had, that his offspring would carry on the covenant and be the reflection of who God is to the world and ultimately deliver the salvation of the world, is what we discover. There would be a lot of descendants More than could be counted through that family line, but you, of course, need one kid to start the whole thing off. And that's why Abraham and Sarah had problems. They waited 25 years. They took matters into their own hands during that time. It didn't work when they did that. Let's take a lesson from that. Um, But based on that experience of waiting 25 years, finally Isaac arrives. If you're Isaac now, the children of these parents. What do you think your expectations are of the covenant that God has made that's now supposed to be carried on through your line? You could have kind of two wide uh, poles that you could live in, anywhere in between these. You could either believe or assume that you're going to struggle just like your parents did in, in fulfilling that covenant, that some, for some reason it's going to be hard to have kids, or you could believe on the complete other end that there's going to be a flock. You're going to be tending a whole flock of kids. And somewhere in between those is his expectation, and the text kind of points us to at least which way he leans, right? Isaac is faithful, and and the evidence in the text tells us that Isaac's faithfulness to God is expressed in the belief that God would deliver. He shows that. And I think he shows us something very practical that we can do when we have moments of doubt and difficulty. Isaac, excuse me, I'll get the name right, Isaac showed faithfulness to God by going to God in difficult moments. If you read verses 20 and 21 of our text, it talks about Isaac was 40 years old, keep that number in your mind, when he married Rebekah. Then if you go to 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebekah came pregnant. Seems pretty seamless. Seems pretty quick, right? To the point, right? He was 40 when he started praying. If you read on in the text, you discover he was 60 when the kids were born. That's 20 years of prayer. 20 years of going to the Lord in difficult moments, probably at moments when he doubted. It doesn't tell us all the stories that transpired, but he obviously goes to the Lord and the Lord answers. And we can see that he believed that it was the case. Isaac can only persist in going to the Lord with such patient prayer because he believed that God could. Because he believed that God was capable and would indeed fulfill his pro- promise. That's the only reason Isaac can be faithful in prayer for 20 years in a difficult circumstance like that. He goes to the Lord when things are difficult. The, the title used for God in this passage is Adonai, which is this sort of broad term, Lord or Master, that's used there that, that really shows that God is in control, has his almighty power and care are over everything. And Isaac believes that. Isaac believes that Adonai is in control, and when things get difficult, he goes to the Lord. And so I think it can push us to ask an important question about ourselves when it comes to going before Adonai, and that is this, what is something that you would commit to Adonai more often if you simply started with the premise that God can? I mean, if that's how your prayer started, God, this broken relationship, this stuff at work, this stuff in my family, I believe you can make this right. What would you take to Adonai if you started with that premise, that God can? That's what, Re- that's what Isaac shows us here. God can, and he's going to take it to the Lord patiently, prayerfully, because he believes that it's possible. Second uh, evidence of faithfulness that we see that I would point out is Rebecca. Rebecca shows faithfulness by going to God for clarity when there's chaos. And she quite literally is experiencing chaos in this passage. Genesis 25, It's a fascinating little uh, passage there. The babies jostled each within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? A couple different translations. If, if Go just really look it up on version or something, and say compare, and get all the translations. It's pretty fun. The babies jostled in her. If we go to the King James, I thought this was the most interesting, but not straightforward translation, but I want to read it for fun. It says, and the children struggled together within her, and she said, if it be so, why am I thus? Which I think, just write it down and use it in conversation today. It's a very fun way to phrase it. The, the um, complete Jewish Bible actually, I think, had the best uh, thrust of the verse in its translation. It said, the children fought with each other inside her so much that she said, if it's going to be like this, why go on living? which is kind of the thrust of the verse, she's distraught. This is a difficult moment. It doesn't make sense. She's experiencing chaos. And so what does she do? She inquires of the Lord. And if you read that last part of the verse, she went to inquire of the Lord in her chaos. Rebecca teaches us what to do when things are not clear. Go to the Lord. Go to Adonai. And so both Isaac and Rebecca believed that God could, that God could bring clarity and that God could bring resolution to things that didn't seem like they could be resolved. And so another question I think we can ask, and this is a question of testimony, is how has Adonai exceeded your expectations through answered prayer? What testimony do you bring this morning? How has Adonai exceeded your expectations through answered prayer? And if you you sit there and think, I don't know the answer to that question, then start with the first question. That's okay if you don't have an answer to the second. Start with the first question. What would you commit to God if you simply knew that God can? Start there. Because God can. Now, the word that Rebecca receives is troubling. You're going to have two kids. They were only expecting one. They were praying for one. God exceeded their expectations, right? They got two kids. They're wrestling in there. And the the word is troubling because you've got two nations in you. The older is going to serve the younger. That's not how it's supposed to work in the ancient world. The older does not serve the younger. The older gets the double portion of the inheritance. The younger doesn't get that much. Um, They still get something. Um, If you want to think of how how this would look uh, to the older and the younger and the the reversal of that, um, if you had 12 kids, which will happen eventually in the text, not this part. If you had 12 kids... And you wanted to divide that by 12 kids, you divide it by 13 and give the oldest two thirteenths. And everybody else gets one thirteenth. That's not going to seem like a giant injustice to number 13, right, or 12 in that case. But if you have two kids, you divide it by three, and the oldest one gets two thirds, that's going to seem like a lot. Like a, that's going to feel like a double portion. It's going to get reversed, so there's going to be some problems ahead, no matter how you divide this up. And that's what they're told. Now I want to move to the kids uh, and just talk particularly about Esau here in a moment because Jacob's going to be our focus for a couple weeks. We got a lot to say about him. but I want to start by um, uh, by an important principle I think we need to recognize and I'll start with a simple story in 2016 um, you know we're part of the Evangelical Covenant Church. Uh, our annual meeting that happens every year was happening in Phoenix, Arizona and we showed the video here it was online there was an invitation to the 2016 Uh, annual meeting or gather as it's called and it was delivered by none other than shock rocker Alice Cooper I don't know if you remember seeing that if you were here at the time Um, Alice Cooper grew up in the church of Christ and he says he went as far away from God as possible in life and that's evidenced by his career uh, and his face at this point it looks like he went very far away and really lived it up but he returned back to God and returned to Jesus Christ years ago and is fully devoted to jesus christ and his church and runs a ministry out of uh, one of our covenant churches in phoenix that's why he gave the introduction but i bring that up because it's important to recognize when you have isaac and rebecca you see sort of pinnacle of faithfulness in a sense when you have Esau and jacob you do not see that right away you do not see people who are faithfully going to the lord in their day-to-day lives and the important principle that i want to bring up is that god has no grandchildren I don't know if you've ever considered that statement before. God has no grandchildren. What do I mean? Galatians 3.26 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. It's a choice. Romans 8.15, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. There is this belief that sometimes floats around and it even sits in the church sometimes that just by birth you are a child of God. That's not what scripture tells us. It's by adoption. You are not a child of God by birth but by adoption. It's something you're invited to. We choose to join the family and then God welcomes us in. We don't just get that because we exist. In fact, the problem is that we've estranged that relationship in our existence. So it should be that case but it's not that case. God has no grandchildren basically means God only has children who have chosen to be part of the family. You don't just get born into it. You choose it. And, and the Esau dilemma then that we get into here is very interesting because it, it seems when they skip all the childhood in the story and we go from they're born and then Isaac and Rebecca don't exactly evidence great parenthood, I don't think, at this point, but we're not told of all of it. You know, they obviously play favorites or have favorites, and that can happen. Um, but then we get to this where the kids are adults already. And Esau is out hunting. And Jacob, probably the situation as far as we can tell, is not back at the home camp. But that Jacob's probably out like with a remote camp as well, attending flocks or something like that. And Esau comes in and is hungry, very hungry, it turns out. And then you have this, what seems like a, a kind of an unequal trade-off that goes on where Esau's going to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup. And some commentators even point out maybe it was high-quality Egyptian lentils because they're red. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It seems uneven, doesn't it? What happens? But we can ask a basic question, which is, could Esau even sell his birthright? And could Jacob even take it? Do they even have the authority to do this transaction? The answer is no. They don't have the authority to do any of this. Only their father has that authority. So what's the actual point that we're getting from this? I mean, I'm sure Esau didn't think he'd actually given up anything, and Jacob didn't think he'd actually gained the actual birthright from this. That couldn't have happened. The actual point that we're supposed to catch from this is that Esau's character is revealed in all of this. His character is revealed and that he's impulsive and he's interested in short-term gratification only. He's interested in what he can get now, and and the text leads you that way because if you read the words around what Jacob, or what Esau does in his actions, they're all quick words. Eat, quick, leave, look, They're, they're quick moving words. The text reads that way, on purpose. That's what we see in his character. He's not faithful, he's not patient, he's not persistent in prayer to stay true to God's promise by character, he doesn't have it. That's what we're starting to see already. In Esau, Esau was not fit to be the divine means by which the covenant would be passed on. That's what we're supposed to catch. He didn't have the transformative story of Abraham. He didn't have the faith of Rebekah. He didn't have the persistent prayer and patience of Isaac. Now, we'll get to Jacob. He lacked a lot of stuff too, but Esau definitely as the oldest, does not have this. Is the one who's supposed to carry this on, lacks all of this by character. And so I think we can ask something that's useful to ourselves this morning. What if I'm like Esau? I think we can all have those moments, or we can live that way far too easily. What if I'm like Esau? You see, for some of us, we've grown up in and around the church, and we function like grandchildren. We haven't really chosen Jesus Christ. We look Christianish. That, that happens to some of us, and we've, we've kind of taken on the basic characteristics, but if we reflect back, we've never actually chosen Jesus. But we have to choose. We're children by adoption, through faith, through the work of Jesus Christ. For some of us, we've kind of considered what this looks like. We know about Jesus, we've, we've, but we've never really chosen it, even if we didn't grow up in church, even if we didn't grow up with this context. We've considered it, but we haven't been there. And what you have in, in the Jacob and Esau story uh, is, especially with Esau, you have somebody who's got this great promise and should be an heir, but doesn't end up being an heir. And Paul talks about that in Galatians 4. He says, what I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he's no different than a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, I mean, it was Esau's to have. His character showed that he wouldn't have it, though. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when you were underage, you were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. And that's where some of us could be stuck if we haven't said yes to Jesus. You were, but some, at the set time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. We all should have been like Esau. We didn't have the character for it to receive that sonship, that adoption into the family, but it's been offered through Jesus, and we have to choose that. And for some... For some of us, we know Jesus, we follow Jesus, but we can sometimes forget that God can. We can sometimes lose the eternal and live into the now alone. We can function like Esau in that way. I think Old Testament scholar Tremper Longman says it well. He says, I think most of us have had Esau moments where we would be willing to sell our spiritual birthright in Christ for a bowl of soup. After all, following Christ does not lead to immediate gratification like a bowl of soup or a steak when you are hungry. The Christian life is deeply meaningful and brings significance to our lives, but if we understand the abundant life it offers as perfectly happy, suffering-free life, then we will quickly be let down and be susceptible to the less-than-spiritual joys of what offers themselves to us in the present. And I think that was demonstrated very well as Sherry did the children's sermon. We can choose to live in the moment rather than eternally to become like Jesus Christ in things as simple as choosing to be mean instead of kind in the moment. Simple things like that where we choose to be an Esau rather than have that patient, persistent faith of Rebecca and Isaac. So you can't always control your circumstances, but you can choose faithfulness in all circumstances. You can choose God, and you can choose Jesus Christ and that transformative power of Jesus. And we must choose to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to become an heir of the covenant. It still matters today, that covenant that God set out. To be heirs of that covenant looking faithfully to what God will do, the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We must choose To put our hope in God's hands like Isaac when things get difficult. We must choose to go to God in prayer and fall on our knees when chaos hits us like Rebecca does. We must choose and never sell our hope in Christ for a promise that is less than God's salvation and transformation through Jesus. Let's pray together for that hope. Lord, help us be faithful and help us recognize that you can. Help us be faithful and be people who indeed would be willing to wear out our knees if it meant being closer to you and more like your son Jesus Christ. We know we don't need to do that. You've already done the work, but Father, we long to be presence. We long to be like your son. We long to be heirs of the covenant, children of God, part of the family. Lord, for those of us who are watching today, who feel estranged from your family, may your son Jesus Christ draw them close right now. And if you are feeling distant from the Lord today, simply say yes to Jesus. That is saying, God, you can. And if you're feeling distant from God today, you're feeling like you're giving in to things now, but not thinking of things eternal, then ask if God will give you a word and a testimony of his goodness today that you can live on, that you can put your hope on, that the joy of the Lord would live in you. Lord, may that be our testimony today that we see your goodness all around, that we see that you are Adonai, the Lord overall, who is Lord and caretaker of this world, and we are your children. Amen.